بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قولي والعمل والفعل والنية والهداء إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم افتح لنا أبواب رزقك اللهم سهل لنا أبواب علمك اللهم افتح علينا معرفتك اللهم افتح قفال قلوبنا بذكرك أمين رب العالمين We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept our gathering here today We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept our uh, sitting after Salat al-Fajr until uh, till shuruq and make this a means of our salvation we ask Allah جل, that he allows this gathering to become from those gatherings that will be weighty in our scales and which will become a means of not only our forgiveness but our sins being changed into good deeds and we ask Allah جل, that whatever uh, we've come with that we've, and whatever reason we, uh, we have been able to come here of course through the tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then whatever we are searching for he allows us to find that which we are searching for uh, in terms of answers to our questions in terms of removal of our worries in terms of the khair of this dunya and the akhirah beloved brothers and sisters beloved elders one of the things that constantly is being uh, reminded to all of us and more we remind the better is that the believer he has been blessed with a very powerful tool to be able to assist himself and assist others and that is uh, dua and through the barakah of dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows him to not only gain not only fulfill his or her needs of this world but also of the grave also the hereafter and also through dua a person is blessed to gain such proximity and closeness to Allah that he may probably never have gotten that through any other ibadah. The dua is the way a person not only fulfills his needs, but he strengthens his bond with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hence we've been told, by the, hadith, by the Prophet ﷺ, the dua is the essence of all ibadah. If a person is motivated to do dua, and he's able to spend a lot of time asking, and he's able to do it with a passion and fervor, then he has been blessed with the essence of all the ibadah that he's done. A person is spending the entire week worshiping Allah in terms of salah, in terms of sadaqah, in terms of seeking knowledge of deen, in terms of improving on his character, all those things is done. Now the one week comes, say Thursday night or Jumu'ah, or for that matter, any other one day of the week, where he says, now I'm going to pull out my hands and present them in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, pull out my arms and extend them in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I'm going to ask. And now he asks for a long time. So what has happened? We could say that he's, been, he's able to achieve the essence of the worship of the entire week. That he is able to take time out and present himself in the court of Allah and ask for his needs because he believes Allah genuinely exists and Allah genuinely hears everything he's asking for and Allah is the only one capable of actually fulfilling his need. And the person who doesn't have that level of conviction will never be motivated to make that dua. The person who does not have that conviction will never find time to ask Allah will never take time out to find Allah. And even if they make a dua, it will be short, it will be quick, it will be flo- there won't be any energy in it, there won't be any passion in it, there won't be any conviction in it. Because deep down, there's this weird thought that, what's the benefit of this? I might as well spend time talking to someone to help me. I might as well spend time on the phone searching for some answers. I might as well do something else at this time. What is the point of me sitting and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? 
That's why Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam has mentioned hadith ad-du'a huwa al-ibadah. The du'a is ibadah itself. Someone may thinking, maybe think I want to sit in the masjid and do some ibadah. That's good, but what do you mean by ibadah? Ad-du'a huwa al-ibadah. Du'a is in that sense ibadah. Allah Azza wa Jal says in the 24th Jews, Surah Al-Mu'min, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ أُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ Your Lord has proclaimed, supplicate to me and I shall accept your prayer. Supplicate to me. This is an order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to me. An order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to all of us. That ask from me, supplicate from me. And you, what I will do to you, أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ I will accept your prayer. I will accept your dua. I will accept your supplication. And if you choose not to do so, then what is the warning for that? إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ Indeed, those people who arrogantly turn away from my worship. The Quranic verse here is not supplication. قَالَ رَبُّكُمْ أُدْعُونِي comes from the word da'wah. Dua. أُدْعُونِي Supplicate to me, I shall accept your prayer and your supplication. Allah does not say إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ دُعَائِي Indeed those who arrogantly turn away from supplicating to me. Instead, Allah says إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي The verse started off asking us and making it necessary upon us to call out to him through the word, usage of the word dua. And then the very next part of this ayah doesn't speak about dua anymore. All of a sudden, Allah says, Indeed, those who arrogantly turn away from my ibadah. What shall happen to them? Say, They shall enter the hellfire and disgraced. That not only will they miss out on getting their affairs of this world corrected, but they will also miss out, of course, and suffer horribly in the hereafter. Because they chose to arrogantly turn away from my ibadah. Why has the word ibadah been chosen in the second portion of this verse while dua was mentioned in the first? So these scholars of tafsir write how in reality Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is informing us and sharing with us that, the, that ibadah, the best and the most pure form of it and the essence of ibadah itself is dua. So the one who turns away from dua and doesn't have time for it out of arrogance and out of feeling there's no need for it, in reality, he has not done any ibadah. He could have performed umrah, he could have performed hajj, he could have performed salah, he could have fasted, he could have given a huge contribution, sadaqah, he could have helped a lot of people, etc., etc. But after doing all of that, he doesn't feel the need, desire, benefit of turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then that means it's as though all the ibadah they had done was absolutely hollow and empty, void of any serious benefit. If there was any, any ruhaniyah and spirituality and soul to that ibadah, then a person would most definitely spend time asking Allah right after a good deed. For multiple reasons. First of all, you have to ask Allah that He accepts that good deed. We don't just dump the... Uh, the, the, the ibadah and walk away you sit and watch is it acceptable or not we know when you have paperwork very important paperwork say your passport you're picking up or you're dropping off some papers or you're dropping off uh, some papers for your interview of your job you don't come make a paper airplane of the paper and you dump, dump it throw it and then walk away say hopefully it'll work instead not only do you turn it in you patiently humbly stand there waiting for the clerk to say, okay, I've looked through your paperwork, it's okay. Or for the secretary of the boss that you're, whose job, you're, whose company you're applying at, to take your papers, to acknowledge you, to acknowledge that everything is in order. Then you, you go back and you pray, like, okay, alhamdulillah, I just hope now everything goes well. We don't just simply say, I did the paperwork and I'm going to dump it. Instead, there is this genuine fear that what if, and it has happened to how many of us, that you turn in paperwork only to find out that it's incomplete, and then you have to go redo stuff. What is dua after a good deed? Dua after a good deed is, Ya Allah, you accept this. It's not worthy of acceptance, but we ask you to accept it. This is um, something that we need to think about from the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam. 
When Ibrahim was lifting up the foundations of the Kaaba with his son Ismail, after completing the greatest task that we can imagine, building a masjid is powerful, but hey, how could it, what could be more special than building the Kaaba? But father and son finished building the Kaaba, and after that, they say, Rabbana taqabbal minna. Oh Allah, please accept this from us. Okay, it's not sufficient that we've built the Kaaba. Rather, what we're looking for is qubuli and acceptance from you. And I think we mentioned this a few weeks ago in another dars. Is that taqabbal minna, taqabbal minna is from the scale of tafa'ul. And the scale of tafa'ul has one of the specialties of this scale is that it gives you the meaning of takalluf. Something which is done with much difficulty even though it's not naturally coming. It's not naturally coming. So, apply it in this verse. Qabila yaqbalu is to accept. Taqabbala yataqabbalu also means to accept. But because it's on the scale of tafa'ul, it means that, Ya Allah, don't just accept it. I'm asking you to accept it knowing that this is not worthy of acceptance. And I'm asking you to overlook its flaws and accept it with, uh, you know, with musamaha while turning the other way, while turning away from the flaws in this action. This is what I mean, takalluf. That it's not easy to accept it because it's not worth it. It's useless, it's empty, it's flawed. But I'm asking you to just, just do it, please. This is the meaning of and the word taqabbal. So father and son built a Kaaba, and now they're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I'm not going to just build a Kaaba and walk away thinking that everything's done. What else do you want me to do? I built a Kaaba. No, I'm going to sit and I'm going to ask and beg you to you accept this. And this is something, a dua that most of us know and we recite on a regular basis. You're all hearing. You're all aware. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows our speech. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears our speech and is aware of our intentions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sami'un liyaqwalina. Alimun binniyatina. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listens to what we are saying while we're doing the work. Alimun, He is well aware of the hidden intentions and the motives in our heart when we do an action. Maybe the person next to you has no idea. Maybe you don't even know that. So many times we do things and our nafs covers up the real reason why we're doing it. And because we just move on. Like you know, like certain times you just don't notice it. How many times you're driving the car, your gas tank is open. Your back door is not locked properly until the light comes on and the the ringing starts. We don't notice a lot of things. So similarly, we don't notice that our intention is not pure and that we actually have an ulterior motive and the nafs and shaitan work very hard the nafs, remember nafs is like this parasite if it's not corrected, it's like a parasite that lives off of whatever we do the nafs wants a share of everything the nafs, original nafs does not like the fact that you do everything for the sake of Allah the nafs says, where's my share in this? Where's my share? I want to have the piece of the cake. If I, if I, I want to have all of it. So the nafs always wants some sort of benefit from every action. The enjoyment of the self. So that's why it's not about just riya, about for others. The nafs also is waiting, hungry. I want a share of this good deed. And you know this feeling of, just this tastes great, this is enjoyable. But you have to see, what are we doing? Enjoyable, what is this supposed to mean? Did I do this for my nafs? Or did I do this for the sake of Allah? That's a very tough question. Only Allah knows the answer. And you and I, after much reflection, may end up figuring it out. But most of us do not have time to ask this question. And most of us don't have time to take a full check of our actions and our soul and our nafs to see, okay, let me see what's going on. This is where the muhasaba comes in. This is where what? Muhasaba comes in. That a person needs to sit there and see, hasibu anfusakum qabla an tuhasabu. Take, take muhasaba, take, ta- take your nafs to task. Ask your, put your nafs on the, uh, you know, on the stand. And start cross-questioning the nafs. Yes. Start cross-questioning the nafs. Okay, here you are. Why did you do this? What was the purpose? Deep down, what intention did you have? And I'm sure, my beloved friends, if we actually start doing this properly, we will be startled at what we will find our nafs has been doing. How he is hidden.
so many different things right under our nose, inside our body, inside our mind, but we haven't figured it out. Simply because we didn't ask. You have to ask. So tuqubuliya is about not about the nafs. It's about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepting it. So dua after a deed is important because you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept that deed. And number two is that you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I know if this deed is accepted in your court, that means you are pleased with me now and as you are pleased with me now, I'm going to ask you another 10 things. Don't we all look at a window of opportunity when we need to ask someone, say our parents, say our spouse, say our uh, employer, we are looking at an opportunity where they are, things seem good, they are in a happy mood, and then you present, hey, can I have this day off? Or can I be able to do this in this manner? Etc. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He loves it, obviously a good accepted deed. Be it salah, be it zakat, salam, hajj, or any other good deed. And that is why once a good deed is done, and you've asked Allah to accept it, now is the perfect time to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you all your other needs. Of dunya, qabr, and akhirah. That is why when we perform salah, the final dua that you and I read in tashahud, Allahumma inni zalamtu nafsi dhulman kathira. Oh Allah, I've oppressed myself immensely. Wala yaghfiru dhunuba illa ant. Oh Allah, none can forgive sins beside you. O Allah, forgive me a special forgiveness from your end. Warhamni and have mercy upon me. Indeed, you are most forgiving, most merciful. If only we could concentrate when we recite this dua in tashahud, life would be different. The level of humility that is manifested in this, uh, in this dua is amazing. It's as though someone is making this dua after they have committed a line of major sins. After they have been, uh, they have turned their back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a year, or two, or three. But that's not the case. This is after performing a fard salah, mashallah, you, you and I, and inshallah, we're here for Aisha. Then we prayed our Maghrib also. Then we prayed our Asr also. We prayed alhamdulillah Jum'ah. We prayed yesterday Fajr. And inshallah, many, many, many more before that. But the idea is every single salah, we repeat the same thing. Ya Allah, I've done such a huge sin. I've oppressed myself in the biggest manner. And if you don't forgive me, no one's going to forgive me. And the list, you know, I explained it a couple weeks ago on the intensity of the, of the emphasis and the layers of emphasis in this dua. What is that supposed to mean? It's because we are saying that this, this ibadah is not worthy of, of your court. And it isn't. The only one who thinks that is someone who doesn't know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Just think about it. A person who's presenting a gift, like a children, the, 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 the dad takes them around. And he says, let's, let's go give gifts to all my teachers. Or let's give gift to all my elders. And the little child is going giving gifts. He doesn't know. He might just, hey, take this. He might just drop it over here. This one he'll give in his left hand. This one he'll give while he's picking his nose. This one he'll give while the, the bag is maybe got ripped. He's a little kid. Doesn't know the etiquette. Doesn't know what he's doing. Doesn't know who he's dealing with. Things his little uh, kids from the playground. Even though this is boss. This is mom or grandparents. Or this is his um, you know, future father-in-law. Or future mother-in-law. Or whatever the case may be. Right? These are important people in his life. The child doesn't know who he's dealing with. So he says, drop it. But with a person who knows that this is a very great individual, or he is a big uh, muhsin, he's done a lot of ihsan towards me, what will happen? A person, even while giving a gift, he will have this fear, what happens if this gift doesn't get accepted? What if it's not appreciated? So this is why we recite this dua. And then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, that the dua most readily is accepted Dubara kulli salatin maktuba After every fard salah After every fard salah Dua is readily accepted And number two he said In the early morning At the hours of You know Before fajr The hajj time This is when dua is accepted So anytime Any good deed Many times people say Brother we gave a talk We gave a talk Why should we do a dua Alright? Why should we do dua at this time? So any, why are we doing dua at a good time? It's because, after a good deed, is because we know that something good has happened. Right now at the end of this talk, we're going to do dua. Why is that? Because this is a majlis of khair. Imagine so many of us sitting here listening. 
How many people are making proper good intentions to change? How many of us are saying, inshallah, I'm going to bring this into me and bring this into me? So all that khair and goodness that's coming out of this talk, it's all going where? Going up. Right? The good speech ascends towards him. And Allah lifts up the good deeds. Allah lifts up the good deeds. So when this is going to bring Allah's rahmah, and that is why we make dua at the end of any, any uh, uh, a good deed. And I want to mention over here is that after Fard Salah, I actually was going to announce this yesterday, but maybe inshallah we'll make this announcement you know, regularly after Salah, is that after Salah is not the time to immediately run. After Salah, we have to train ourselves and train our children that we sit in the rows the way we prayed our Salah for at least a couple more minutes. And engage in dhikr and dua. And everything else can be done a little, little later on. When it comes to those salahs in which there is sunnah, yes, you may perform your longer, recite your longer dua and dhikr after the sunnah, the two sunnah. For example, after Isha, the two sunnah after Maghrib, or the nawafil, of course, as well, the two sunnah after Dhuhr. A minimum but before you stand up for your sunnah do a little bit just read ayatul kursi do your tasbih fatmi subhanallah 33 times alhamdulillah 33 times Allah 34 times raise your hand and make a few duas we have unfortunately a lot to work on in this regard we've created an environment where we, lead, where we stand up as soon as the salah finishes this is not how it's supposed to be and a, you know, even if you have to go somewhere, add this in your mind that my fard salah, if it's, it's eight minutes, not six minutes, it's six minutes, not four minutes, it's 12 minutes, not 10 minutes, because I want to always add two minutes to sit after my fard salah to do my afkar and dua. This is extremely important because now look at the Quran is saying that if you turn away from my ibadah, from my dua arrogantly, this is what's gonna happen. This is the time to ask, why are we not asking? When he's, his Nabi has already said that dua after Fard Salah gets accepted, why would we not? Who does that? The one who doesn't think it's worth his time. Whatever you got going outside in the parking lot, whatever you got going somewhere else, if you have needs, you say, I got a need, what better place to fulfill this need than right now here? And that's why it's mentioned regarding certain Sahaba radiallahu anhum arda, that they would, when they would have a need, they would say, I am going to wait till the next fard salah to make dua. I have a need now. Why? Because I said before, look for the best window of opportunity. Yeah. So the next window right now, after this majlis is dhuhr. So they said, let's wait for the next fard salah. Now I'm not saying you all should, you and I should wait till dhuhr, because we're not even making dua. Honestly. And our dua is also, you know, very wishy-washy. So make dua at ishraq. Make dua at 10. Whenever you wake up and you say, let me make dua, alhamdulillah, do it. But I just want to say that when a person has built this relationship with Allah through dua, and this conviction that my dua will get accepted, what shall happen? Then he will be waiting for that opportunity called next fard salah. Or tahajjud. What does Quran say about Yaqub alayhi salam? When the brothers came, when you when, came crying to the father, please seek forgiveness. We messed up. We got caught by our brother Yusuf. We thought he was dead. There was Binyamin, there was Yusuf. We ended up really being caught red-handed over what we had done. And all that dhulm that we had done to our brothers. So Nabi Yaqub doesn't say, okay, khalas. Right now, Allah forgive them. He says, So fast, soon I shall seek forgiveness from Allah for you, Lot. Indeed, Allah is forgiving, most merciful. So the scholars of tafsir say, Yaqub was also delaying his dua till tahajjud or delaying his dua till the night of Jummah, waiting for that window of opportunity. 
where inshallah he has more conviction that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept his dua. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's other hadith, ad-du'a'u silahul mu'min. The dua is the weapon of a believer. When you pull out your weapon, whenever you're in need to defend yourself, you pull that out. This is our uh, lifeline. So similarly, a believer's attachment to Allah via dua is that, Ya Allah, whenever I'm going to need, I'm going to pull it out. And I'm going to make sure all my needs of this world, the grave and the hereafter fulfilled. But Ibn Taymiyyah, I think so, rahimahullah mentioned, that those who think that dua is only to fulfill their needs, they are completely missing out on the crux of dua. The dua is not there just to fulfill your needs. But one of the greatest gifts that you get through dua is the proximity and the closeness to Allah. He said, that's what dua is about. Wow. How many of us think of it like that? How many of us think of it like that? You see, I've already prayed so much. I get this question many times. I've been praying for something for the past two years. Should I give up now? Should I stop? It doesn't seem like it's getting anywhere. One person, mashallah, he told me, he said, after this, you know, the past month and a half, month and a half of, of the dhulm that's happening in Palestine, he said, I've, 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 I get up before Fajr, and I do my tahajjud and my athkar, and he said, I have never done this type of dhikr and ilhah fi dua so much uh, uh, you know, concentration and devotion and so much begging in dua the way I have now. I have never done it for anyone. Never done it for myself, my kids or anyone else. And I said, MashaAllah, mission accomplished. Done. If that crisis can get you, get any one of us out of the bed and make us sit on the musalla and cry like we've never done before, this is a victory. 100%. This is a victory. And he was telling me something very beautiful. He was talking, all the verses of the Quran, this is how we need to do. Honestly, I was so happy to hear this. All the verses of the Quran where Allah Azza wa Jal, for example, speaks about his nusra, his power. That soon the entire armies will become vanquished and they will turn their backs and run for their life. Allah says in Surah Al-Qamar. Alright, Allah says, Indeed, our armies most definitely will be victorious. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says of the prophets, making dua, Rabbi inni maghloob. Oh Allah, I have been overpowered. Fantasir, so please come to my assistance. Another prophet mentions, La ilaha illa ant. Subhanak inni kutubina dhalimeen. There's none worthy of worship besides you, Ya Allah. Glory be to you. Indeed I am from amongst the oppressors. And Allah says, we, we took him out of his difficulty. Nuyunus alayhi salam. He said, I sit there making dua in, ta- in each rakah, in each sajda of each rakah, these verses again and again, again and again. And making intention that, Ya Allah, through the barakah of these dua, falsehood is being vanquished. And the people of the truth are being assisted. My brothers, this is what exactly the amma needs to wake up to do. This, really, do not undermine the power of spending an hour on the musalla. And the victory and nusra and results are never were in my hands. They're always in Allah's hands. But we have to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring that nusra out. And how do you beg Allah? Through dua. But then, additionally, if victory doesn't happen the way we want it, in one week or two weeks, the way we want it, what we need to understand is that this is victory itself that we have been able to leave the comfort of our bed and stand alone in seclusion on our prayer mat in our room. And I'm not speaking about just this crisis. Any personal crisis that you may be going through, if it pushes you out of your bed and gets you onto the musalla, you have already become victorious. Because you are now getting the tawfiq and the motivation to do one of the most powerful forms of ibadah and worship. The crux of ibadah, the crux of, 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 of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the things that Mawlana Ilyas rahmatullahi alayhi, the reviver of the effort of da'wah and tabliq, when asked, 
what is your goal through this movement of people from town to town, masjid to masjid, house to house, simply carrying their little sheets and pillows with them? What, what's the purpose? Because it's definitely a good question to ask when you see jamaats moving from here to there. Hey, where are you all going? What's the purpose? What are you trying to achieve? And you just don't have one or two people. You have millions of people gathered in ishtima. The arrival in ishtima used to happen once a year. Two and a half, 2.2 million people used to come. And now, due to the sheer number of people, subhanAllah, they split it into two. And now they split it into four. Four different weekends. Four different weekends to be able to accommodate the massive crowds. Someone was there last week or two weeks ago. I was speaking to them while they were present there. And I said, how's the crowd? He said, well, I can't tell it's whether it's four or one. Because it looks the same. It looks, just looks like a sea of people, millions, the way you're in Mina, just like that. What's the purpose of all of this? You, you, you might be part of it or you might not be part of it, but listen to the purpose. He said the purpose is, har iman wala Allah se mangna seek jai. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala se barahe ras lena seek jai. That the purpose of this is that every person who has iman should learn how to ask from Allah and directly benefit from His treasures. That's all I want. If you have five million people knowing how to make proper dua, that's victory. If you have a hundred million people knowing how to ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's victory. That's what's, what's the intended purpose. Is that learn how to, you're gonna say, how does that, how does moving from place to place? get you to, to, to take from Allah. Well, one of the thing, major reasons why there is such a lack of motivation in me and the community and generally in the Muslim world for dua is because the belief in Allah is not where it needs to be. The yaqeen and the conviction in the names and the attributes of Allah is not where it needs to be. The belief and the conviction and the power and the qudra of Allah is not where it needs to be. So when you don't have that, that means you have showed, Allah forbid for me saying this, and forgive me for saying this, but I'm telling you, like we've given a no confidence vote to Allah. I don't have trust in you. I don't think you can pull this off. That's why I'm not going to ask you. Sometimes when a person is in need, he might not ask his dad for something. Go ask someone else. Why is it like, man, I don't think my dad is the right guy for this. Then the fathers get hurt. But what is that? You're giving your dad a no confidence vote. Whether he deserves it or not, I don't know, could be. But on this issue, but Allah Azawajal, how can you give a no confidence vote to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That Ya Allah, you can't help me in this. But that's what it is. That the fact that we don't ask Him means we don't trust that He can help us. And so now, you really think our Fajr is of any value? You think our Jum'ah is any value? You think our Sadaqah is any value? If this is the relationship we have with Allah, that yeah, I'm in and out, up and down, kiss the ground, I'm out from here, but I don't think He can really help me. If I thought, then I'd spend a few minutes asking you. But I don't think you can really help me out on this one. That's why they say, the emphasis, like I, uh, that we talked about this extensively on Tuesday's tafsir, I think in the first half hour just on this. We say, people say, I put my reliance upon you and then Allah. So this is wrong, incorrect, you cannot say that. I put my reliance on you. I trust on you. And then on Allah. No, you don't say it like that. If you cannot say, I trust Allah on you and Allah, or nah, because you can never put them together. You and Allah? Now, what is this? You can say, I trust in Allah, then on you. That's fine. Because after Allah, then I'm going to use you for my means of this world. So the attention, why is, why, why when I was making dua last night, I said, Ya Allah, if we, what dua are we going to make? Through the barakah of the people, du'a people, of the people of Gaza, not only assist them, assist us. This is what I feel like we should make du'a. Because their du'a is much more powerful than us. And one reason is they literally know it, aynul yaqeen, right in front of their eyes, that no one is coming to help. There's gonna be no country that's all of a sudden gonna decide to mobilize. There's no country that's all of a sudden say, that's it, you've crossed a red line. There doesn't seem to be a red line for any Muslim country or for any other country either. It's talk. So now they know it very well that literally there is no asbab and no means of this dunya coming to our assistance. Everything we have from beginning to end is only Allah. When a person has that level of conviction on Allah, then those du'as are accepted. 
And so the hard, hard thing is, in the presence of means, to ask Allah as though you have no means. That's the reality of the game. That's why for us, we are in a more difficult situation than them. And it's more difficult for us to have yaqeen in our dua than those brothers and sisters of ours. Because they have no means. So for them, in one sense, to say, Allah wa ni'mal wakil and mean it 200% is very natural. Because who else is there? And for us, first of all, we don't have energy to say it. And if we say, Allah wa ni'mal wakil, the tasbih is moving, and our eyes are looking on our phone. And we're reading this, and we're checking our bank account. Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. Like, you know what I mean? It's like empty and void of any truth. Like conviction. So this is the tough thing that we have. The do dhikr of Allah, dua, but with such level of conviction as though you don't have any means. So these people, what are, what are, what are we saying? We're saying, Ya Allah, through the wasila of their dua, through the barakah of their shahada, through the sacrifice that they're doing for you, and the sabr that they have, that you fulfill our needs as well. So the ummah, what we require now is whether through left or through right, through this or through that, through hook or crook, is we need to wake up and start making dua. It's been now five weeks. And many of you are going through your own problems. You have sick family members, sick parents, sick children. You have someone who passed away recently. You have, you're losing in your business. Things are shutting down. Things are not going well. Your contracts are falling apart. You've been given the pink slip. You're, you're falling behind on payments. Um, marriages are falling apart. Divorce seems imminent. Your children are not able to get married. You yourself are not able to get married. Whatever. You've got so many issues. Who here doesn't have issues? Everyone's got issues. But the question is, what are we doing with these issues? That's why for a believer, this depression. Where's the depression? No depression. We know we have something called dua. We use this time, an hour or two. We spend, even if you're going to the doctor, use that journey to the doctor's office and while waiting in the doctor's office for dua. That is how a believer thinks. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed me in here because I wasn't making good enough dua. Youngster told me recently, he said, I hafid al-Quran and whatnot, because I got very busy in business. And now I found myself missing, unfortunately, prayers. And he said, then I got very ill coughing and this and that and they found out that he had some major heart problem youngster and they said if you don't stop doing what you're doing the big issue with many of the youth are involved today vaping right and so he said if you don't stop this you know you can really harm your heart because of what he had already done from previous condition and things of that sort so now he was telling me he said subhanallah I had not read morning duas for years I hadn't read my like fajr salat on time for, for Allah knows how long but he said, I'm actually happy that I went through this painful process in a wake-up call because I have really gotten scared that I'm going to die or I'm going to get really sick. And this has pushed me to the masjid or pushed me towards salah and whatnot more than ever anything else has pushed me in the past many years. Alhamdulillah. Mission accomplished. But why wait for Allah to put that upon you? Why wait? Why don't we just start right now? Say, if you're not in that type of difficult situation, why waiting that? Wait for that. Number two, if you are going through a difficult situation, stop thinking that the world has solutions to your problems. Just like you saw today. No one cares, man. No one cares for the Muslims. And our own munafiq, within our own, um, within our own community, don't care as well. They simply care about their stomach, and their kursi, and their power. That's all. About their own material interest. We have no one besides Allah. That's the lesson we should learn from this. Can't trust anyone. We should have never trusted anyone. No one besides Allah. And when you put trust in others, then you get, it's a wake-up call. So dua is what not the people of Gaza only need, but dua is what you and I need. When we stand up and make dua for an hour, say, I want you to understand that we should walk away not thinking that Alhamdulillah, I've helped my brothers and sisters overseas. I want you to walk away thinking that I have helped myself, number one. There's no one who benefited from this dua more than I did. Someone was just leaving for Umrah. Many brothers are going for Umrah. MashaAllah, inshallah, some of you are also going soon, probably this weekend. So someone yesterday just met me after Fajr. I'm going. Advice. 
I said, you're going with your family. Okay. The key thing, number one thing that you want to focus on in your Umrah journey with your family or for yourself is learn how to ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That should be your focal point. That should be your focal point. Write down a huge list. Because we usually, we're, we go blank. Unfortunately, we have so many issues. But then we go in front of Allah, then we're like, yeah, I don't know what else to ask. Three minutes already. How long should I make? So let's write a list. Notebook, phone, whatever. Write a list of at least 50 things. 50 things that you would like to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. 50 things. On the journey in your plane, you can write it. While you're waiting for boarding to start, you can write it. And for those who are not going umrah immediately, may Allah take you as well soon. But this is also for here. Write a list of things. And then <clears throat> after every salah, and you have this chunk between Fajr and Dhuhr, huge time in the haram. Or here also anywhere, like Fajr to Dhuhr. You have huge time between um, Asar and Maghrib over there. What are you going to do? Make a point that every day, one hour dedicated for dua. One hour dedicated for dua. Just sit down. Look at the time. It's 7 o'clock. Alright, I'm going I'm to make dua till 8. And you have the list of 50 things in front of you. You spend one, one, one minute and one and a half minute, you won't have time on each one. Each one of those items. Spend one to one and a half minute on it. Or you dedicate and say, this one hour today is going to be on 25 items. I'm going to spend two minutes on it. And the next day I'm going to spend 25 items, the other next 25 items, two minutes on each. This is what you will get the closest of Allah with. This is what, this is the ibadah, mashallah, is going the right direction. And recently I saw a young father here, mashallah, it made me so happy, sitting with his son, and after Zuhar Asr, I think it was Asr Salah, after he finished the salah, he says, okay, you know, let's make dua. And the young four or five year old raised his hand and started making dua. And the father was saying, ameen. It was the most, most beautiful thing I've seen in a long time. Here, a father teaching his son how to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every father who has taught his son how to take from Allah's treasures, and every mother who's taught his son, her son or daughter, alhamdulillah, is a successful parent. You can't honestly give them the asbab of the dunya forever. Even if you leave them money, you don't know if they can invest it properly or what. I'm not saying don't leave it. Leave money, sure. Leave them degree. But teach them how to take from Allah's treasures. Let's go ahead, go at home and work on this. Every one of us. That we spend time asking Allah ourselves and teaching our children how to ask Allah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And dedicating a time. This is my request from all of you here now. After everything that we're seeing now, let's make niyyah every single day at least 15 minutes. How many minutes? 15. 15 minutes at least of continuously making dua. If you say, I can't, 15 minutes. Okay, may Allah make it easy for you. Then divide it up, 5 minutes in 3 slots. 5 minutes after each salah. 3 salahs of the day. Or if not salah, then in your car. You can do it. While you're driving, am I saying to raise your hands and drive you know, without your hands even though you might not have a Tesla? No, I'm not saying that. You can hold the steering wheel with your hands and still make dua. Who said you have to raise your hand if in that situation? Dua comes from the heart. And this is what needs to be done. So we all say inshallah, 15 minutes. Yes? Right? You, and in that process, you make dua for me. That, and I make dua for you. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us istiqama and steadfastness on this 15 minutes and allows us to continue to increase on that. To a day, inshallah, where we will have daily one hour dua. Say inshallah. Is it possible? Of course it's possible. You just get up an hour before Fajr, you pray your uh, tahajjud for a little bit, and then you spend it. Honestly, like all of us, those are elders, we're 60, 50, 40. Our time is coming up. We're about to leave. We don't even know. There's so many, so many, so many, so many youth who are passing away. Like, what are we going to show to Allah? I was just thinking about this yesterday. Like, what are we going to show? What have we got to show? What are you proud of? What are you going to present to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? At least present Him humility to say, Ya Allah, I never thought I did anything. Instead, I just sat and begged you for forgiveness every day for an hour. I think that's a powerful action to present to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You may not have changed the world. You may not have a huge legacy. You may not have some big massive sadaqah jariyah. But if you spend an hour begging Allah, I am pretty sure Allah is going to love that. 
that humility and humbleness because this is the essence of ibadah how lucky are those people who spend decades in tahajjud every single day making an hour dua our elders our seniors we're not going to become like that by talking about them we're going to become like that by starting in their footsteps with 15 minutes a day 15 minutes a day 15 minutes a day and slowly increasing that and a day will come when we'll have a group of people here at Darussalam inshallah who will be the people of dua one of the ulama he came here and visited some years ago and he said mashallah the masjid is built everything seems to be perfect and beautiful so he said now you just need one group of people who will cry for the ummah and for the protection of this place he said that everything inshallah that's your endowment fund right there that's your endowment the longevity of what is happening at Darussalam. Longevity will happen as long as you raise a group of people who will make dua for this institution of deen and the rest of the institutions of deen. Then you know you're in, you, you can you know, go to sleep peacefully knowing that there are people who will take care of this. They will take care of it not through only their checks, but they'll take care of it through their dua. And that will bring the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah make us from amongst that group of people that cry for the ummah. Because the ummah is definitely in huge need. Let me just read one hadith and inshallah we will end with that. It's mentioned, Sa'ib bin Yazid said, He says, I saw Umar al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu on a day in the year of extreme drought. They had, it's called Ramad, means sandy color. Their beautiful complex complexion of the sahaba became sandy color due to not eating and drinking he said i saw him go out in the morning in extremely humble state begging and with extreme humility he had a shawl over him that did not even reach his knees he was loudly doing istighfar, seeking forgiveness from Allah. And his eyes were shedding tears on his cheeks profusely. On his right was Abbas bin Muttalib. On that day he made dua. While he was facing the qibla. رَافِعًا يَدَيْهِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ Extending out his hands towards the heavens. وَعَجَّ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِ And he cried out, out loud to his Lord. فَدَعَىٰ And he supplicated. وَدَعَىٰ النَّاسُ مَعَهُ And the people also supplicated with him. ثُمَّ أَخَذَىٰ بِيَدِ الْعَبَّاسِ And then he held the hand of Abbas, who is the uncle of Rasulullah of course. فَقَالَ اللَّهُمَّ Oh Allah, I don't have the Nabi here with me. Nabi has passed away. Allahumma inna nastashfi'u bi'ammi rasulika ilayk. Oh Allah, I present to you the uncle of your prophet to you. فَمَا زَالَ الْعَبَّاسُ قَائِمًا إِلَىٰ جَنْبِهِ مَلِيًّا وَالْعَبَّاسُ يَدْعُوا وَعَيْنَاهُ تُهْمَلَانَ Allahu Akbar. Abbas radiallahu anhu for a long time stood next to Umar radiallahu anhu. And Abbas is also radiallahu anhu supplicating and his eyes are welled, swelled up with tears and he's crying. And Umar radiallahu anhu is saying, Ya Allah, I'm not worthy enough to ask. I have next to me the uncle of the Prophet. If I don't attract your mercy, at least through the barakah of Abbas next to me, bring the rain. This is Amir al-Mu'mineen. That's the type of dua that ran the world. That's the type of dua that brought the strength and the power to the Muslims. When every single person of the community makes that level of dua, that we need the help of Allah like the rain right now. And that's not going to happen by us sitting and doing nothing. And so we need to make dua through the barakah like he says here, through Abbas radiallahu anhu. We also will make dua through the presence of the oppressed ones across the globe. That Ya Allah, through their dua, you ask us to be, that you fulfill our needs. Inshallah, we'll conclude with the dua and then we'll have breakfast downstairs. And we thank our host, alhamdulillah, who, who have... Um, Alhamdulillah, uh, uh, brought the food today. And I see a lot of new people here today, mashallah. His group of friends. Every, every week we see different people. And I request you, inshallah, as the future host, 
please, the purpose is not for you to just bring the food or pay for the food. The purpose is for you to invite your family and friends to the masjid, both men and women. So there is an opportunity for you in the future months too, but January onwards is open. Any one of you who would like to host a breakfast, please do so. Uh, but along with bringing the food or paying for it, main thing is that you invite people towards it. I ask Allah Azawajal to put today's breakfast uh, in the, in, uh, as a means of great uh, uh, acceptance for our, our beloved brothers who are hosts today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in their health, in their wealth, and their children. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfill their needs of dunya, qabr, and akhirah, and any good deeds that we do. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give the host for today's breakfast as well as the volunteers and students who are serving. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them the full ajr for all of that. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Additionally, I want to say that there's a couple programs happening. December 1st, December 1st. Friday, December 1st, inshallah, we'll have a very unique program, first time in our masjid. Uh, a, a, a lawyer uh, from Arizona will be flying in all the way to do for, for this program to our community, inshallah. And he is an expert um, in Islamic estate law and Islamic uh, estate planning. He's written a book that even non-Muslim lawyers use for their Muslim clients. So it is the go-to book that mashallah Hafiz Yasser Ali has uh, written. And so he will be, he's a wealth planning attorney based in Arizona. And he will be inshallah coming here speaking about protecting your family, leaving a legacy, and fulfilling your religious obligations. After Salatul Isha, December 1st. Everyone's talking about, I don't want to, uh, naturally, I want to boycott XYZ company because a portion of their profits goes to uh, the aggression. But you know and I know, nothing is fueling the aggression more than our tax dollars. So while you're alive, what can you do? But at least, at least learn how not to leave your entire wealth or a big chunk of it for taxes. Learn how to have such a, a, a plan after you and I pass away that least as possible is going to taxes and the majority of it is going to your own family and for causes that you support and you want to make a means of sadaqah jariya. So this is what this inshallah seminar is going to be about. How can we ensure our money does more for us? How can we leave it for our children? Use, use it for the good and protect it from being used for bad. So I encourage all of you to spread the word, inshallah, for December 1st, Friday. And we will possibly have a follow-up session on Saturday as well, which I will finalize with you soon. And it will be shared on our events group. If you're not part of the events group, there is the QR code there. Someone, one of you students also can ensure that there's a, the brothers, new brothers can inshallah join that. So we'll share all our, 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 we always share our flyers on the events group. So if you're on the events group, you'll get everything. So we may have a follow-up session on Saturday that will be called Smart Sadaqah. How to uh, also ensure that when you're giving, it actually is more impactful. And so these are topics that we rarely hear about. And I would like all of you to come with your families, inshallah, and attend this December 1st. And then second thing is December 9th, inshallah, we have our annual fundraiser, annual banquet called Journey of Faith. Alhamdulillah, celebrating and thanking Allah for 10 years of this masjid uh, being opened and thinking about the accomplishments of the community and the students and the different programs that they have done. You'll get a chance to see all that. Uh, so please purchase your family tickets today uh, as you go down. And, and um, <clears throat> before you leave, this is only from two and a half weeks from now. There are tables available for sale as well. Uh, so if you want to buy it for your, for your family, go ahead and, and do that as well. And last but not least, we have our winter intensive coming December 23rd to 25th. Winter uh, intensive December 23rd to 25th for the entire family. We have a, um, this year's topic is going to be speaking about the, comp, uh, the fiqh, fiqh topics that everyone's confused about. From halal to hilal to zabiha to uh, Islamic banking to riba uh, to uh, you know, people who's a Muslim and who's not a Muslim um, to uh, how to bring Islam into the workplace, etc. Lots of contemporary, all contemporary fiqhi topics. That's what's being discussed inshallah. That's going to be December 23rd to 25th for the adults. And then for the children, we'll have a parallel youth program and, a, and babysitting as well. So please, inshallah, mark your calendars. Pick up a flyer on the way out. December 23rd to 25th is our winter intensive. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make all these programs accepted in His court. May Allah grant ikhlas to all those who are part of it. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow the nur of these programs to spread across the globe. Amin ya rabbil alameen. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا حظ الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد 
ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكن من الخاسرين اللهم لك الحمد حمدا دائما مع دوامك ولك الحمد حمدا خالدا مع خلودك ولك الحمد حمدا حتى ترضى ولك الحمد حمدا اذا رضيت اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد صلاه تنجينا بها من جميع الاحوال والافات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على درجات وتبلغنا بها اقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياه بعد الممات انك على كل شيء قدير Oh Allah, <coughs> we ask you to accept this gathering. Oh Allah, we ask you to accept our good deeds. Oh Allah, we ask you to overlook our sins. Oh Allah, we ask you to forgive our major and minor sins. Oh Allah, we ask you to forgive those sins of the ummah, collectively done, individually done. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, all the aggression and oppression that we have done against your deen, we ask you to please forgive us for that. Oh Allah, all the sunnah of Rasulullah that we have neglected, we ask you to forgive us for that. Oh Allah, create within my heart and all of our hearts remorse for our life of sin, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow us to be remorseful, extremely remorseful for our mistakes that we have done, Ya Allah. And oh Allah, allow through, through your grace for us to start a new chapter of our life, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, allow us to, Ya Allah, be motivated and to be inspired, Ya Allah, through everything that, we're ha- that, we, that is taking place across the globe and the oppression that br- our brothers and sisters are going through. Allow that to become a motivation for all of us to start a new chapter in our life, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, make us amongst those who, who call out to you by morning and by night. Oh Allah, those who call out to you, Ya Allah, throughout the day after salah and Ya Allah, in the early, early hours of the morning. Oh Allah, make us amongst, the, amongst us, make us from amongst those who tongues are moist in remembrance, whose hearts are beating with your love. O Allah, who are trembling in front of you in dua. O Allah, who, can, who raise your hands with conviction that you are listening to us and that you are the only one capable of fulfilling our needs and that you are the only one capable of fulfilling the needs of the ummah. O Allah, we ask you, Allah, in the name of Ya Allah, your love for the ummah of Rasulullah and in the name of Ya Allah, the love Rasulullah had for this ummah. O Allah, in the name of our love that we have for Rasulullah in the name of the love that we have for you, Ya Allah. O Allah, in the name of any good deed that any one of us have done, that you spend your special mercy on the people of Palestine, Ya Allah. O Allah, that you allow this, allow your nusra and mercy to come in a manner that will baffle the people, Ya Allah. In a manner that is unthinkable, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, allow your hidden, Ya Allah, your hidden armies, Ya Allah, that are all around, including the forces of nature, Ya Allah, to come to the assistance of these innocent people, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, the forces of nature are begging you. I am sure, Ya Allah, are begging you as well to be given permission, Ya Allah, to come to the assistance of the mazlumin, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask, Ya Allah, to allow, Ya Allah, these makhluqat of yours, these trillions of, tr- of creations of yours that are waiting and are wanting to assist the oppressed ones. O Allah, O Allah, we ask you to give them the green signal, Ya Allah. We ask you to give them the green signal, Ya Allah. O Allah, bring your assistance, Ya Allah. Bring your assistance, Ya Allah. O Allah, <clears throat> allow, what is, what is take, allow, allow your assistance to come in the form of ways that we cannot even imagine. In such a way, a manner that the aggressors, like you have done in the past, the aggressors themselves accepted Islam. O Allah, the conquerors themselves accepted Islam. O Allah, this is not ba'id and difficult for you to spread hidayah, Ya Allah. Allow those who are in the front lines, Ya Allah, their hearts to soften. Allow, Ya Allah, the, the, them to see the reality and the truth, Ya Allah. O Allah, allow them to gain hidayah and guidance, Ya Allah. O Allah, allow them, Ya Allah, to see what is the haq and what is the falsehood, Ya Allah. O Allah, and if hidayah is not meant, then remove them, Ya Allah. O Allah, then remove them, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant protection to the oppressed ones across the globe in every single area of conflict, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you to bring your assistance upon them. O Allah, we ask you, do not allow... Ya Allah, your, your Prophet said, the dua of the oppressed one reaches the heavens, Ya Allah. O Allah, these are oppressed, not just disbelievers, but rather oppressed children, Muslim innocent children, Ya Allah, and Muslim innocent women, Ya Allah, and men, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you to accept their du'as and their pleas, Ya Allah. O Allah, through their sacrifice, and through the sacrifice of the shuhada, and through the the sacrifice of the wounded ones and through the sacrifice of the crippled ones oh Allah we ask you through their crying you grant myself and all of us hidayah as well ya Allah oh Allah they are definitely making dua for the ummah oh Allah we ask you to accept their duas on behalf of us as well oh Allah through their barakah and through their duas make every one of us amongst those who makes long, nice beautiful powerful long duas every day ya Allah oh Allah make every one of us amongst those who are blessed to make dua to you every single day oh Allah bring yaqeen in our dua bring conviction in our dua bring power in our dua oh Allah allow us to use dua to fulfill the needs of this world and the, in, the, in, the, in the hereafter, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, whenever we do use the means of this world, which we should and we need to, but allow us to not have trust on those means and have only trust upon you, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, give us plenty of means, but give us yaqeen and conviction only upon you, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant shifa to all those who are sick, for, forgiveness to those who passed away, jannatul for those, those who, to, who passed away. Oh Allah, fulfill whatever 
permissible desires and needs any one of us have. Fulfill them, Ya Allah. Allah put mahabba and love between husbands and wives, between parents and children. Ya Allah, save our homes, Ya Allah. Save our homes, Ya Allah. Bring deen and sunnah into our homes, Ya Allah. <clears throat> ya Allah, make every one of us and our children attached to the masjid, Ya Allah. Allow us to be attached to the masjid, Ya Allah. Allow us to be attached to the masjid, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, whatever sin we are involved in right now, make it easy for us to recognize what those sins are and then make sincere tawbah from it, Ya Allah. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma asifoon. Wasalamun ala mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Inshallah, since we have not much time for the hifz class to start, what I would recommend, request the brothers, inshallah, to not neglect their ishraq salah, but perform it downstairs after you eat or come upstairs and perform it. But inshallah, you can go downstairs for breakfast, but please do not forget ishraq salah. Through ishraq salah, Allah will fulfill your needs of the day, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you a reward of an accepted hajj and umrah.